0: Reformed Church. You know, there is so much good that the church has spoken throughout the years, but if I look at the things that I myself have preached or the things that I would look critically with a critical eye that someone else has preached, um, the only time that we really find fault in what is being said is when anything is said and taught and then Christ is left out of it. Right. And that that really that one single solitary problem is what throws everything off balance that you say. I mean, Pastor Mike's been teaching on Wednesday nights on the power to wealth. Right. That to most people is a complete turnoff. Right. Because all you're preaching about money. But, But we're not preaching about money right on wednesday nights we're teaching about the power to wealth right it was god that said right in deuteronomy he he said he said when you have built homes right when you have prospered he said don't forget that i'm the one that has given you the power to get wealth right so but when you when you're teaching that the reason why we have power to wealth not that we have a money tree in our backyard not that god gives people bills and monies and bonds and stocks right but that god gives people the power to wealth in other words the power to prosper right i mean all Christians would agree, most Christians would agree, that, that, the, that you know, God. when people say, oh, that any, anything you set your hand to will prosper. <laughs> right? So don't you see how if you are being a prosperous employee, let's say, at your job, how you will prosper financially, right? How, how Joseph prospered financially, right? He, he went from a jail cell to being second in command in Egypt in a heathen nation, right? I mean, in, in a nation that didn't even believe or acknowledge God, yet because of the way the Spirit of God worked in him, right? He was acknowledged even by people that don't even believe in the Lord, was acknowledged like the Spirit is or God is with him, right? So, so you know, we, we don't say everything 100% right here, but the thing is, i tell you one thing that we have gotten right over and over and over again right and that is jesus christ and him crucified right what i want to talk to you about today i think you know may may have some relevance also maybe to what pastor mike was talking about but it's really just faith and unbelief i want to talk to you about right um when you when people hear that little word unbelief or or for that matter when they hear the word faith um, the word unbelief, for instance, is a real condemning thing to people, right? Um, when they, when whenever anyone hears Jesus say, "Oh, you have little faith," or if you were to hear, you know, you were to read in Hebrews where the Lord speaks about it and says, you know, because of their unbelief they were not able to enter into the land. That's a source of condemnation to people, and the only reason why that's a source of condemnation is because they believe that, right? They believe, but they believe, right, that their that unbelief is something that I am doing wrong in the fact that I'm not trying to believe more. And I'll give you a simple example, right? If, uh, if, if you need help prospering, right? You're not prospering in your health, let's say, right? Your health is not prospering, but your health is deteriorating, right? And And if you would ever hear the Lord even mention in your heart and mind, in other words, if he would bring a truth up from inside of you, the light, we were praying about this, right? The light that we have on the inside of us, right? Jesus Christ is the light, and he has made us, therefore, the light of the world. I'm not the light of the world because I am. I'm the light of the world because he lives in me and has made me also and made you the light of this world. So that's why he's called the light of the world, and the church is also called the light in this world. So it, when we allow that light in us, and light is defined by Scripture itself, right? Light is what makes manifest, right? So if we, if, we, if we say we are the light of the world, that is because it is through us that Christ is revealed to the world. In other words, Christ is en, enlightened to the world. He is made known to the world. When Jesus said to I think in John 14, he says, and I'll read it to you real quick, John 14, 21 He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, and obviously that commandment that it's talking about there is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? It's talking about faith. We know that. I mean, that's probably too much to review from the beginning, but that's talking about faith. He who believes in me, right, is the commandment of the Lord, the New Testament commandment that we live under. Um, It says, it is he who loves me. Now, that makes total sense, right? When when you know that faith in Jesus is, if you have faith, in it, but basically, he's saying, if you believe in me, you love me. That would make sense to every Christian. Now, if you say, if you do everything right, right? In other words, if you keep my commandments, my, if you keep the 10 commandments that sometimes people think that that's talking about, then, then you are the one that loves me. Then that, that's very condemning, right? Because that means that anytime I do anything wrong, which Christians do probably on a daily basis, right? Anytime I do anything wrong against the commandments of God, that is showing that I don't love God, right? That that's a hard thing to live with, right? But that's not what the Lord is saying here. He's saying he he who he who keeps my he who has my commandments and keeps them. In other words, and and First John even it's funny that it is John that wrote this by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, and also wrote First John, right? But he 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 kind of goes into a little bit more in depth about you know he who believes in me and loves his neighbor right but but here he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. That's a, that's a powerful thing there, right? Because what he's saying is, when you believe me, right, he who believes me, I am the one that manifests myself to him. But first and foremost, what he's saying there is, I'm the one that reveals myself to you. I am, In other words, you have a promise from God that he is the one that will teach you who he is and what he's done. Right, so I, I don't I don't stand or sit in front of a Bible reading it, and, and trying my hardest to be able to learn what it is that the Bible is saying. Right, I am not my own wisdom. Right, the Lord is my wisdom. He's the one that's wisdom unto me. He is the one that is already in me, and He is the one that says that I have an anointing from the Hol- from the Holy One. He says, and I know all things. So, so you ever kind of think about that? If I know all things, why don't I know all things, right? If I know all things, why don't I know all things? So, but the truth is that you have the light in you, right? You, you have the enlightenment of God, in other words, the knowledge of Christ you have in you, and that is also called by the church and by Scripture the mind of Christ, right? You have the mind of Christ on the inside of you. So since you have the mind of Christ in you, the only thing that we're, you're missing, you're not missing somebody to teach you from the outside in, you're not teaching, you're not looking for a professor in a university to teach you from the outside in, right? You're looking for the Lord that is in you, for the mind of Christ that is in you, for that for that light to come from here to here. You're just looking for light to move from the inside to your innermost man, right, in your mind, so that you can know him. In other words, he said, I'm the one that will do that. I'm the one that will reveal myself to you, right? Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, now you know to what, right? What is my eyes what are my eyes being enlightened to? To the price of oil, to to stocks and bonds, to like what is my what are my eyes being enlightened to? Like what I'll put it to you this way, what is it that the spirit of God in you, what is it that Christ in me speaks to me? That is important for me to listen because we are told by the Lord, right? For us to listen to the Lord, we are told, right, that faith comes by hearing. In Romans ten seventeen, the Lord says, and, and, and he, says, he says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So, so what am I hearing? Am I just hearing anything, right? And, and really what we'll see is for even from the beginning, even in the, under the old covenant, every single thing that was done was done to testify about Jesus, right? Sacrifices that Pastor Mike was talking about. What were they for? To testify about Jesus, right? A bull killing a bull or killing a cow, right? We were talking about this a little bit on, on Wednesday, right? But killing a cow or killing a cow today has no significance, right? I mean, they have places where they slaughter cows so that people can eat beef. They do that all day long, right? So, but in and of itself, killing an animal has no significance. But why all of a sudden did these animals, were they special animals? Were they raised very a certain way? There was nothing special about these animals apart from the fact that the significance of the sacrifice of these animals was significant of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, right? So, nothing in the Old Covenant, and put it this way nothing that God has ever shown. The people of Israel or Gentiles for that matter, nothing that God has revealed was ever just revealed just with no, with no concept in mind, right? The, the things that God revealed, he revealed to what? For the purpose of what? To testify about Jesus Christ, right? The temple was to testify about Jesus Christ. Everything that the Lord did was to testify about Jesus Christ. The, everything, everything that the Lord spoke to the people of Israel, he, he, he was telling them, listen to me so that you could live, Isaiah was telling them, he says, you, you are such stubborn people, hearing, you do not hear, and seeing, you do not see. So you hear, but you don't understand. You see, but you do not perceive. What, the question has to be, what is it that they were not seeing, and what is it that they were not hearing? Like, what were they not perceiving? What were they not seeing? And the answer to that is, of course, they were seeing the works of God. Of course, they saw the Lord split the Red Sea. Of course, they saw the manna in the morning. Of course, they saw all these things. But who is it that they were not seeing in the manna? They were not seeing him who is the bread of life, right? They were, in other words, the Lord was testifying, testifying, testifying about Jesus. He testified to Jesus about Jesus to Abraham. Abraham saw. In other words, Scripture says that the same gospel that was preached unto us, which obviously we know this, right, but the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of the good news that everything's going to be okay. Gospel, in reference to Christianity, does not mean the good news that you're going to make it, right? The gospel does not mean the good news about the fact that God loves you. That is not the gospel, right? The good news is not that God loves you. The good news is that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, right? If you talk about the love of God and you leave out Jesus, you just might as well go off back into 1969 and have a festival talking about love and love and love, right? It just, it, it's, it's insignificant. It means nothing, right? To talk about the love of God and leave Jesus out of it means that no one can ever understand the love of God, right? Because Jesus Christ is the revealing, the manifestation of that love, Without you knowing Jesus, you would never know how much God loves you. You can tell people, oh, God loves you, God loves you, oh, don't, don't be down, God loves you, God loves you, but, but people leave out. I mean, there's all tracks that people make up about God loves you, and the one that they leave out is Jesus Christ, right? It's, 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 there's no meaning behind the words God loves you if you don't tell people how they can know that God loves them. If you don't tell them that the reason why God loved the world so much was that he gave his only begotten son so that anyone who believes in him, there's what God wants you to do. He didn't say so that those who keep his Ten Commandments, he says so that those who believe in him would not perish. The only thing that keeps people from deteriorating or that keeps people from corruption or that keeps people from from death is what? Faith in Jesus. In other words, believing in the Lord. Believing in the Lord, right? That's why. So he said again in John 14, 21, he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, right? Because you, you can't receive the love of God. Because, does that seem a little, um, that statement that if you love me, you'll be loved by my Father, does that seem a little constraining to some people that, well, what are you saying? I thought you just said that God loves the world, but now you're reading that the only way for God to love you is if you love him? Well, here's the thing, right? God manifested his love. In other words, God told the world, I love you, right? And gave his son as a symbol of that love, right? He manifested, revealed his love to the entirety of the world. But now the world cannot receive the love that God has given if it doesn't believe in his son, right? Because he is the revelation of that love. And if you don't believe in the revelation and the manifestation of that pure love of God, how can you receive the love of God? You can know that God loves the world, but if you don't believe his son, how can you receive that love? So what he's saying is, right, and he who loves me, in other words, which is he who believes in me, will be loved by my Father. In other words, you will be able to receive the love of God, right, that is revealed by me. And that's why he said, and I will then manifest myself to you. I will reveal myself to you. In other words, and if you will, you will know that you are loved. Right, there won't be a doubt in your mind that you're loved when you have the Spirit of God in the inside of you. Listen, even if the the entirety of the world hates you, you know you're loved by God. You, you have no deficit of love because oh how you, how much you are loved, right? You are loved by God. In Hebrews uh, chapter three, right? Let's let's just go there real quick. Hebrews three five. You know, th- there's this thing with faith and unbelief. Again, just going back to that for a second. That, um, just simply put, right, faith comes when you listen to the Lord. And what is it that you're listening or what is, what is it that you're hearing? What is it that you are seeing? What is it that you're perceiving? Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? In other words, how, how do you know Anything about God is because you, you are seeing it and learning it through the knowledge of Christ, right? Peter says In First Peter, he talks about the knowledge of Christ, right? So if you receive the knowledge of Christ and you're receiving lots of things. You're receiving the, the knowledge of the love of God for you. You're receiving what God has done for you. You're receiving of the grace of God, right? You're learning that there is, listen, the grace of God is an awesome teaching, right? But if you leave out that the grace of God, in other words, everything that you, have, uh, that you have not merited and everything that you have not worked for is yours because Christ already worked for it, right? But if you leave out the Christ already worked for it, that makes very cheap what you have. Very, very cheap, right? Because, oh, God could have just given you this all along. He didn't have to send Jesus. He's just good, and he just gives good gifts to everybody, right? Oh, don't you give good gifts to your children? How much more will God give you good gifts, right? But, but it's not that cheap, right? It was very costly. There was a high price that was paid for the grace that we receive today. And that was the, 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 the Christ suffering in a body like ours, right? And, and paying the penalty and the price to the Father for our sin, right? Because the one we were indebted to, the one that David said, Father, against you and only you have I sinned, that was a knowledge of the indebtedness that he had and the knowledge of a Christ that was to come that he understood and wrote Psalm 91 about it, right? So in other words, there was a, a knowledge about, about where, where where everything that he had was coming from And the revelation that David had and the revelation that Abraham had and the revelation that Isaiah had and the revelation that Ezekiel had and the revelation that many men and women had that are even mentioned in Hebrews 11, which the majority of them are Old Testament saints, right? And they're called Old Testament saints, why? Because they're people that lived under the Old Testament, even under the law, but yet looked forward to and believed in Jesus Christ, right? That's why they're called Old Testament saints, right? They believe just like we believe, why? Because the same gospel that was preached unto us was preached unto them, and they did what? They believed it. In other words, faith came, right? In other words, Abraham was, was, is called the father of our faith, right? Not because he's actually our father in any respect, but just that we are like him in that sense, that we believe as Abraham believed. So therefore, he's called your father, right? Just like, as obviously, God, our father, our heavenly father has called our father because we have been now made in his image, right? He has made us as he is, right? Given us his same spirit. So in the same way, Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. All that Abraham did correctly was that he believed what? The gospel. The gospel is not the truth that tomorrow is going to be a better day. And, and, and you say, well, why do you keep saying that? Well, because that's the way people see faith, Right? People think that you having faith is believing in your mind that tomorrow is going to be okay, but that is an incomplete thought, right? The only reason ever why you could be assured that you could have a sure expectation of good for tomorrow, the only reason why you can have hope at all, knowing that you can expect good to come tomorrow, is because your faith, in other words, the one that you have learned is Jesus, Right? And he is the mediator of the new covenant. He is the one by whom we have the better promises. He is the one by whom we have received and become partakers of the divine glory in us, right? It's not because, so you, so it's, you can't leave him out, right? Anytime, listen, that we as the church have gone wrong in the things that we say, anytime that I have gone wrong in the way that I have tried to communicate the love of God is because I made it into something where I did not emphasize and did not show people That what I was telling you came from what he did, let alone, God forbid, where people end up many times, where it's now no more about what he did, but it's about what you do. So I'm not blessed and I don't prosper financially even and in my health because of what Christ did and for the wounds on his back. I prosper because I give to a church, right? That's a horrible thing to say, horrible thing to say. That is blasphemy in the ears of God to say that God would actually give me something, that I would be able to be loved by my Father, that I would be able to receive the love of God and the prosperity of God because of something that I do, right? Why is that blasphemy? Because then I'm saying that Jesus Christ was not necessary. I could have done that all along, right? I could have done that all along. The evil kings of the Old Testament could have just given to the church and they would have been blessed then, right? Because you don't need Jesus for that, right? You could just give and God blesses you. Right, but that is a lie, right? Because there is no blessing from heaven that has ever come, ever, ever. There is not a recorded incident in all of Scripture where a man is blessed apart from faith in Jesus. You could, you could be quote unquote blessed. In other words, the man, and I have used this example a zillion times. The man sitting at the gate called beautiful that could not walk. You could say, well, he was blessed, right? Wasn't he healed? When did he believe? But, but you're missing the whole point, right? The reason that man did not walk without intervention by a believer who looked upon him and said, I know what I have, and what I have, I'm going to give it to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. That's a far—see, when, when you don't know that someone has to believe in order to receive, then, then, then you look at somebody like that and you said, oh, that was just a work of power. God woke up in a good mood and he just healed the man. Right. But it's not like that. Right. God is always in a good mood. Right. Thank God he's always in a good mood. Right. Because we have a mediator that is at his right hand that has pleased the father greatly already. Right. So so God is never at a displeasure with us. Right. Because when he sees me, he sees me through the lens of Jesus Christ, his son. Right. He's not looking at me just by myself because if he did and I did something wrong, right, and no one has paid for my sin, then I should be punished for what I do, right? But he's seeing me through the lens of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, right? Just like that was the only reason why a lamb, that was the only reason why a bull, why a goat, why any sacrifice of the old covenant would ever be able to have god right look over sin right why god would would not bring his wrath down upon individuals it was just because listen the power of just a symbol of jesus right but it's even more than that right the power of a symbol of jesus christ that was intended so that people could actually have faith in jesus even before his coming abraham believed and had faith in jesus before his coming abraham didn't just believe in god Right? Abraham believed in God because he, it's, Jesus said it himself about him. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. See, to see my day. In other words, Abraham had a revelation of Jesus Christ that most of the people in his time did not have. When the Lord said about Caleb that Caleb had followed him fully, right? What Caleb had that all the other spies didn't have, right? Joshua and Caleb, what they had was that they what? They knew what they knew about the fact that they could take this land because they knew God had given it to them. But how do they know? How could we say, listen, we were singing a song before that said this, your word never fails. We as a church, we love saying that. Your word never fails. What does that even mean? (laughs) Your word never fails. What does that mean? That I could just read a verse and it will never fail? That I could just, you know, if I have to cast out a devil, I can just look up in in my Bible manual and I could just read the words that somebody else said and it'll just happen? Like, what does that mean that your word never fails? Here's what that is, right? The word is the word of the testification of Jesus, right? If that's even the right way to say it. In other words, the word of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Scripture is intended to reveal Jesus, right? That's why it was written, to reveal Jesus, to reveal the gospel, right? The scripture that was given to the Jewish nation was given to them what? So that they could see Jesus, right? The, the, the scripture that was given, the inspiration of the word that's written through any of the apostles, through any of the prophets, were given what? To reveal Jesus. When Jesus was speaking to the two men on the road to Emmaus, he didn't have the, Old, the New Testament written to read from it, right? But instead, he knew what the Old Testament said, and he, he began, Scripture says he began to reveal to them what the scripture said about him. So he was using scripture, right, that was intended, is intended to testify about Jesus to do exactly that. And he was teaching them just by using scripture, and it says their heart burned on the inside of them. Do you see the power of using scripture so that people can understand and see Jesus? So much so that even physically in you, you feel like something's going on, like, my God, this is good, right? If the church could hear could hear the gospel in the, right, in the right context, the church would rejoice. We would, we, we would leave church glad that we came, glad that I heard about what Jesus has done for me. But instead, a lot of times we leave church condemned because of what we've done. You, you know what a, what a horrible thing it is for a Christian, or even for a person that's not a Christian, right, to come into a church and instead of fe- feeling overjoyed because somebody has either reminded you or told you for the first time about the love of God and what He's done for you, that instead of leaving rejoicing from church, you leave condemned. You leave, you know, I gotta get my act together. I gotta stop doing this stuff. Enough's enough. Look at what He did for me, and look at what I'm over here doing. You know, you know what the problem is? You're leaving and you're all hung up on yourself. Instead of being all tangled up in Jesus, you're all tangled up in yourself, right? But instead, if, imagine if we could do that. If every single time that you came to a church service, right, every time that you listened to a preacher on the radio, that not just you, but that the world could hear about the kindness and the goodness of God in what he's done for you, how farther ahead would people be, right? How farther ahead would people be? Because people would know that the reason why the word of God never fails is because the word is the word about Jesus that never fails. You know why? Why? Because he already has made it. In other words, the reason why we overcome this world, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. In other words, he already overcame the world. He already freed the world, right? But if the world does not believe in what he's done, it will not experience that freedom, and it will suffer punishment right? with, with the devil and his angels that are not needful for them to suffer because someone has already died for them. You know, what a, what, a, what, a, what a horrible thing it is to see people suffer when somebody has already suffered. To see people pay a price that somebody has already paid. To see people live in bondage when somebody has already delivered them from that bondage, right? That, that is the word that never fails, right? The truth about Jesus Christ working in your heart and mind never, ever fails. Do you know why? Because it always will bear fruit. Always will bear fruit always. Let me, let me show you something. If we can read quickly from um, uh, where are we going? Uh, 2 Peter 1 in verse number 5 quickly. We, I think we touched on this the previous service but um, we'll just read it here quickly. Second Peter 1.5. It says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, and the correct translation should say add in your faith because you don't add something to faith, right? You, you don't have faith, and then you have to add good works to faith, right? Jesus said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. He didn't say, if you believe, and if you're kind to people, and if you believe, and if you're nice to your neighbor, then you'll see the glory of God. He said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You don't add something to your faith, you have things added to you in your faith. In Matthew six thirty-three, the Lord said to them, he, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He didn't say, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and also if you do the good works that I told you to do in the Old Testament, then you will receive, right? That's obviously not what the Lord says or teaches, right? So he says, add in your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, which actually should be translated temperance. We should probably just read this in, in the King James Version. Let, let, let's see if we just go there quick. 2 Peter 1 5. The New King James is not the best there. 2 Peter 1 5. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add, and I'm just going to read it correctly, in your faith, virtue to virtue knowledge, it still says self-control. Self-control there is actually temperance, right? In Galatians 5.22, I think in King James, it says temperance. God is not teaching us to control ourselves, right? God's not teaching us to control ourselves, right? To knowledge, temperance. That's perfect, right? To knowledge, temperance, right? So it says to knowledge, uh, oh, you know why? Jeepers. Because I am actually still in the New King James. You know what I did? I, I, I went into my electronic Bible here and I just went into Second Peter again. So it actually is correct in, uh, in King James. And beside this, giving all diligence, add in your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. Very good, right? Temperance. And to temperance, patience and to patience godliness, right? Obviously, you you know what a horrible thing it is to think that you have to be patient in order for God to bless you, right? The reason why you can be patient is because there is this thing called the fruit of the Spirit, right? In other words, you become fruitful. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is not something you do in order for God to do something. Patience is something that comes out of you as a result of your faith in Jesus, right? A fruit of the Spirit. And you'll see that in a second. He says, and to godliness, in verse number seven, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. For if these things be in you, right? If they're in you, that means you're a Christian, right? If these things are in you, if you have patience in you, if you have the Spirit of God in you that is the source of your patience, if these things be in you and abound, right? If these things be in you and abound, right? God wants us to work our salvation out, with fear and trembling, right? In other words, if the things that you have in you, if, if the patience that are in you, if these things are in you and they abound, it says that, that they make you, that you shall neither be barren nor, watch now, unfruitful in what? In your knowledge, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? In other words, when you're doing, when you're keeping his command, which is right, listening to the Lord, faith in him, when you're doing that, if, if, you, if these things are in you and they're abounding, in other words, if you're being fruitful, if, if people can see from you knowledge, if they can see virtue, if people can see working out of you patience, right? What they're actually beholding is the fruit of the Spirit that is in you. And if these things are in you and they're abounding, he said that means that you're actually fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. But he says, watch now, watch now. He says, but he that lacks these things, but, but listen, without even reading that, You already know the answer to that. If you you continue in the knowledge of Jesus, right, and these things are in you, and then they're abounding so that others can see it, right, so that Potiphar, you're working for Potiphar as a slave, and Potiphar can see your wisdom. He can see your patience. He can see your godliness, right? He says that means that you're being fruitful in the knowledge of Christ, right? But if you're not being fruitful, what is it that's wrong? There's someone you're not seeing. There's a knowledge in someone that is not abounding in you, right? He says, he says but if he, but he that lacks these things is blind, meaning blind. In other words, that, that's an individual that cannot see at all, right? Cannot see the Lord at all. Or it, could not, not, it, it doesn't just mean that you're not saved and cannot see, but it also can mean that you cannot see afar off. In other words, that, that word there is short-sighted. Right? That you, you can see, but you're not seeing really well. You're being a little short-sighted, or he's saying, and has forgotten. Forgotten. In other words, you may know, but you just forget that you've been what that you have been Watch that he has been purged from his old sins. Whenever you think of your forgiveness of sins, your mind should go right to the cross. There's no other place where your mind should go. When you hear about, oh, the forgiveness of sins, your mind should be at it, boom like directly on jesus christ and him crucified because it's the only way that you were forgiven of your sin is because he took your sin the punishment for your sin upon himself so you see what he's saying He's saying if you if you if you're fruitful in your life in that scene it's because you're being actually you're being fruitful in the knowledge of what you know of jesus the knowledge of christ right and if and if these things be not in you it could be that you're blind in other words you're not saved If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in you, it may be because you don't see it all. Or it may also be that you're short-sighted, right, that you're not seeing afar off, that you've just forgotten. And you know what? That happens a lot to people, right? That happens to me. That happens to everyone. You're just going about your business in the day, and your boss says something threatening to you. You know what? If you don't do this right, again, you know, you're fired. Matter of fact, you know what? You're fired right now. You're fired right now, and that brings fear all the way through you. What am I going to do? What's my family going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to afford to buy groceries? What's going to happen, right? The economy, All, all these thoughts are coming through your mind. The one thing that is missing in all of that fear that's overwhelming you right now, or you hear somebody tell you that you have a disease that is incurable, the one thing that is missing in your thinking is the knowledge of Jesus, right? Because the knowledge of Jesus would cast out fear, but why does the knowledge of Christ have the ability to cast out fear? Why? Why is it that you can be in fear and as you are reminded by the Spirit of God, if you allow that light to move from here to here, as you allow, as you allow the light that you possess, the mind of Christ that is in you to enlighten the eyes of your understanding, right, the eyes of your understanding, right? We're talking about seeing, Right, hearing here, not 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 being like other people, like Isaiah was saying that seeing you don't see, you don't understand, right? And hearing you don't hear. But he he's talking about you you can you can you're seeing, you're hearing. In other words, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, what happens is you're reminded, you're reminded. My God, hold on a second. Okay, all right. Okay, I was just fired. Okay, but my prosperity, my prosperity, is that dependent? On the economy, on my job? Can God not just find me a job that gives me equal pay or even a better job than this one right now? Of course He can. Yes, He can. In other words, is your hope and your expectation for a good tomorrow based on the fact that you have a prosperous job? What is the problem with that? Is there anything wrong with having a good job? No. Is there anything wrong with making a good amount of money for your family and to give? Nope. Nothing wrong with that either. So why would it be wrong? that your expectation for a good tomorrow would be based on that very job. Because you know what a loving father does? A loving father takes you and teaches you, you know what, I don't want you to hold and grasp onto anything with both of your hands to anything that changes and is temporal in this world i have given you him who is unchanging i have given you a high priest that never changes and the and the power of what he has done and accomplished from you is never changing he said i am the alpha and the omega i am the beginning and i am the end and i never change what god has done for us in christ never changes, never fluctuates with the economy, doesn't care whether it's global warming or global cooling, right? He is always the same. The, the, The success of the earth is not dependent on ice caps melting, right? The success of this earth and the livelihood of people is not dependent on whether we don't throw plastic into the sea. The thing is that you would take care of what you have when you know the one that gifted to you what you have. We have gone about this all wrong. It's taking care of the planet, wrong, no. It's having a good job, wrong, no. It's prospering financially, wrong, no. It's when you you have all this and you have built goodly houses and you have done all these things and you have forgotten that it is God that has given you the power to life, right? We we miss him. We miss him altogether. There's nothing wrong with the so-called prosperity gospel. It's just that if you tell me that what I need to chase after is money, now there's something wrong with it now there's something wrong with it. Because you're telling me to seek after the same thing that the Gentiles seek after. You're telling me to have my hope established on the same things that the Gentiles have. In other words, Gentile meaning not non-Jew in that sense, meaning unbeliever, right? In other words, people that don't have Jesus in this world have the security of their tomorrow based on the job that they have today or the promise of a better job tomorrow, right? But we, the Lord says, you ought not to be that way. You are not to seek after the things that the Gentiles seek after, but you seek first the kingdom that I have put on the inside of you, because the kingdom of God does not come with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. And that kingdom that I have put on the inside of you, you seek that. You seek the righteousness that I have given you as a gift. And when you seek the righteousness that I have given to you because of your faith, right? Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, right? If Abraham was was thinking, think about this, if Abraham was thinking about the righteousness that was his, what do you think his mind would go to, his works or his faith in Jesus? He knew it. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He was made righteous because of his faith. How do you think we have become the righteousness of God if not in Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? We We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? The only thing that's ever missing is that the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is missing from the equation. Therefore, when people see a lack of fruitfulness in their life, you know, where the first thing that their mind goes to, I just, I just haven't been believing that, you know, that everything was going to work out. I just, you know, and, and we even ask ourselves, watch, instead of examining ourselves to see if our faith is in Christ, Right? We examine ourselves to see if we have been believing that it was gonna work out. And, and then we convince ourselves that the reason why it didn't work out is because we didn't believe it was gonna work out. And we'll even, we'll even acknowledge that. We said, yeah, I know it didn't work out. I wasn't even there. I wasn't even believing that it was gonna work out. I just wasn't seeing it. No, 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 no. What you were not seeing is him. <laughs> You were not seeing Jesus, and you don't understand why you can have a sure expectation for tomorrow. Instead, you were so focused, laser focused on trying to convince your mind, yourself, that it was going to work out. And then, and then when it doesn't, you blame it on that, right? And, and what does it drive and continually drive the church to? We start pinning things up on our bulletin boards. If we want a car, we start picturing ourselves driving the car. That's just positive thinking. The world has that. The world has positive thinking. I'll give you a little newsflash. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. You can pin up a BMW all day long in your house, and unless you finance that thing, you ain't gonna have it, right? It doesn't work. Positive thinking does not work. It, it's all temporal, it all fades, right? It, it, listen, you can start thinking of yourself, oh, okay, I gotta just have to think more positively about myself. And then somebody comes up to you and says, you know what? There's something different about you, Jose. You kind of look like you're I don't know like you're sticking out your chest more today. You look like you're a little bit more sure of yourself. So, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do that. I've been but you know what? Tomorrow you're going to be all depressed. It doesn't work. It doesn't last. But the reason why it doesn't last is because you're not dependent on a high priest who has given you something that is never changing. Listen, the word of God never fails because it is the word about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That never fails. You will never understand something about Jesus in your mind and heart and it not produce fruit in your life. And the beautiful thing is it never stops producing fruit. Never. Listen, if you never grew anymore in your knowledge about Jesus from the day you were saved, you would still be bearing fruit in your life to some extent because the extent of your fruitfulness is the extent of what you know about Jesus, right? You would be fruitful even, not maybe in ways that you could be by continuing to grow, but you know what the Lord says? Keep growing. Listen, keep, even better yet, let's, let's put it in context, and, and let's, let's start uh, getting to the end here. The Lord says to us, you know what? Keep listening to me. Because he is the one that promised, I will reveal myself to you. In other words, I'm the one that's going to teach you. I don't have to be my teacher. I have a teacher. There's a huge difference there, right? I have a teacher. The, The problem with Bible schools is not that every Bible school is wrong. The problem with Bible schools is that they don't teach people to listen to the light in them. In other words, they teach people today like you can get a degree and be an architect, right? Listen to me get your degree, get your points, and then I will call you pastor. You want somebody to call you doctor of theology? Just stay listening to me long enough, ace your exams, and if you do, but listen, you could be a very intelligent individual and come out of a Bible college with a, the, with a master's in theology, and you don't even have to be saved to have it, <laughs> right? You could just be smart there 's plenty of people that can read the Bible. There are people that can recite to you full books of the Bible that doesn 't mean that they 're saved right I mean, I will tell you this they 're reading the right book if they want to get there <laughs> it 's a great book to read right it's a great if you want to if you want to hear about jesus christ that 's a great book to read right but the, the point of this is right we have we have cheapened cheapened what it means to be a teacher right of the gospel of Jesus Christ teaching is actually a gift an office that is a gift that should be that should come about by the working of the spirit of god if you're someone that the spirit of god cannot speak through you have no business having a pulpit i'm not saying that we say everything right i'm not saying that everything that comes out of my mouth is inspired by the spirit of god but i will tell you this i know that on the inside of me i can hear them yelling in me and he's testifying about the most important thing in your mind, Jose, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let them know that, right? I know I got that right. And as long as I get that right, I know I must be doing something correctly, right? Now, that, that, And there's times, you know what, you get a little emotional. You say things that are not based on Jesus. You know what, and if it's not, you all ought not to listen to it, right? But as long as what you're hearing In your discernment, in your mind, given to you by the Spirit of God, you hear, you know what, the things that I'm hearing are based on Jesus Christ having come in the flesh and having given himself for me, that makes sense. And you know what, that should cause us on the inside to rejoice, to be, see, you know what, this is what I have been wanting to hear. I have been wanting to hear about what Jesus did for me, not not what I need to do for him right? Not what I need to do for him. It's never, been, it's never been about what people could do for God. It has always been about what God could do for us, right? Always been about what God could do for us. Let me show you something here real quick while we try to wrap up. Um, in, if we can go to Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5. That is actually where I asked you to go before before I switched you over to 2 Peter. But Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5. Listen to this. He says, And Moses Moses verily, it says, well, you know what, I see verily. Let's just, I think New King James is safe here. But you, if you have a, a King James Bible, you can stay there. It will read very similar. It says, and Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for, for, listen, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the, the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end it's an interesting thing to understand who he's writing to, right? He's writing to the Jewish nation, right? this, This is the book of Hebrews, right? He's writing to people that are Jewish, right? And he's telling them, I know the esteem with which you hold Moses, right? But he's saying, but there is one that Moses testified of. Let me show you real quick in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse number 15. Look at that real quick. Deuteronomy 18 and verse number 15 and this is Moses speaking right so you can see that Moses had a revelation of him who was to come meaning Christ right he says the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst in other words he would be a Jew right from your midst from your brethren him you shall hear Him you shall hear, right? According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Oreb, he says, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore lest I die. In other words, he is saying there, there was one that would come, and him you have to listen to. He said, the things that you have heard, the commandments that you have heard, it it is right for you to feel fear. It is right for you to feel that you cannot do these things. He says, but the things that Jesus will speak to you, him, you got to listen to that. Him you should listen to, right? Him, him you should listen to. In, in going back again to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 5, he says that Moses indeed, he was faithful. He said, he said Moses was faithful as a servant to do what God told him to do. In other words, what was the purpose of Moses? Was the purpose of Moses really just to give the Jewish people the law? No. The purpose of Moses was to bring to people the law and to speak to them regarding, because he is the one that gave, right, the, the, the book of Deuteronomy, you know, these were things spoken by Moses and written by him, right? So he was reminding them, right, he was the one taught to give them the gospel. He gave them first the law and Mount Sinai. And then he gave them in Deuteronomy, you hear, that is, that is where, where it's mentioned, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That law that was different than the law that their fathers had received, that law is what he wanted them to see. But what was it that the people of Israel did not see? Watch, let's read a little further. In verse number 7 of Hebrews 3, he says, Therefore the Holy Spirit says, Today, because it is always today, right? Today is the day that God wants us to hear. It's not yesterday, it's not tomorrow, it's today that God wants us to hear. Today, if you will hear his voice, right? Now that is the voice of the word that never fails. That is the word of God, which is the testimony about Jesus Christ. It is the same word that Moses wrote down that was meant to be a testimony of the word that would be spoken afterward by Jesus, right? That is the word that Moses came to bring. It was the gospel that Moses preached. It was the gospel that the people kept missing. And he said to them, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. They rebelled against God, but it was not in their actions. They rebelled against God in their heart. That is where faith is. Faith is in your heart and it is in your mouth. That is the word of faith that we preach. It is the word of faith that Moses was preaching, right? watch, you'll see him saying, do not harden your what? He didn't say, don't harden your actions. He didn't say, be good people. He didn't say, do good works. He said, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day, listen, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers, they tested me, tried me. They saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And I said, what did he say? They always go astray in their heart. They always go astray in their heart. He didn't say they start making a golden idol at the foot of the mountain. He didn't say they always do bad things. They always kill their young. They always, they're murderers, they're deceivers. He said they always go astray in their heart. And even more, watch, and they have not known my ways. If there is ever a people upon the face of the earth that people would say, know the ways of God is the Jewish nation. The very people that God said do not know my ways, and for that reason I'm going to the Gentiles, is the Jewish nation. You don't know God's ways because you do Jewish stuff, right? You are not a more godly church because you got a menorah sitting on the window, right? Those are symbols of things that were to come. A menorah is a symbol of the light of God in us that can enlighten our understanding. We get caught up in symbols, and we think people that know Jesus have symbols. You can wear a cross around your neck until Jesus comes back, and it don't mean you're saved. Right? There are plenty of people. There are Satan worshipers that have crosses around their neck. Just because you wear a symbol doesn't mean you know that symbol. Jesus, look, God looked at them, said, you have, the, you have the custom. You have Moses that has spoken to you, right? Isn't that what the, what, what, what the man said? He said, Lord, let me come out of this pit. Let me come out of this flame, right? Send someone, he's saying, from the dead, and then they will listen and they will believe. He said, they have Moses and they have the prophets. You can raise somebody from the dead right before their very eyes. And if they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe me for this. He said, they saw my works. They saw the Red Sea split. They saw the manna come down from heaven. They received the bread of life. They had all of these things. And he said, they have yet not known my ways. So I swear my wrath. What is he saying? They shall not enter into my rest. What is it that the Lord was saying? They will not enter into the land. In other words, he's saying they will not enter into the things that I have prepared for them. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And the only, you see in that? Eye has not seen. He's not saying blind and mute people can't receive Jesus. He's saying people that see but don't see, people that hear but don't hear anything, they hear but do not understand. The people of Israel received the gospel same as we did, but they saw all of the works of God, but they didn't come down to one conclusion. The Messiah that's coming is our salvation. They knew about the Messiah coming. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come, right? Why, do, why did they miss him? That's, a, that's not a demeaning question to the Jewish. There are plenty of Jewish people that believe in Jesus, that are saved, right? They have the same spirit that we are of, right? But why is it that some of the Jewish nation, for that reason, right, let, let's do that for a second. Why is it that the Jewish nation, many do not believe today? For the same reason they didn't believe before. They had Moses, they had the prophets, they had the good news, they had the gospel, they had the Red Sea splitting, they had, they had everything, right? But, you, but we have everything today. Why is it that people today that are not Jews don't believe? For the same reason, because they are missing the same Messiah They are missing the same price paid for their same sin. And because they miss the same one, then they cannot see. They hear, they read. I mean, Scripture even says that they read Scripture daily, and yet today still cannot understand. Can you imagine? People that read the Bible, Scripture, on a regular basis, have services on, they call congregations in and read the same Scriptures that I just read to you out of Deuteronomy. And why is it that they can still not see? Because the one that they're missing is the one that's being revealed in those very same scriptures, right? That's why they cannot see. Verse number 12, I think, wraps it up in a really beautiful way. He says, beware then, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Now, before you beat yourself up over that, think first what you're reading, right? And and there is this thing called a good heart and an evil heart. There is this thing, a good heart is a good heart because of the good treasure in it. Right. And an evil heart is an evil heart because of the evil treasure in it. Right. So. So. And that is the same verse, obviously, that speaks about the and and I'll see if I can find it for you very, very quickly here. It is in. Luke, Luke, definitely Luke, Luke 6 and verse number 45, he says, a good man out of the good treasure in his heart. Right. The heart there is obviously not talking about the organ that pumps blood. It's talking about your mind. Right. That that is where you know. You don't know here, you know here, right? Even though people say, I love you. No, you love here, not here, right? So a good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good. That's why the latter part of that verse says, for out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, right? If you have good treasure in your heart, out of your mouth will come good things, right? If you have evil treasure, but it says an evil he, he's, he called it before in Hebrews 3, an evil heart of unbelief. But look, look at what that is. He said, and an evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart. Stop. What makes a man evil? Not the things that he does. The evil in his heart makes him bad. All we see is the, 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 is the abundance of the heart. That's all that you're seeing, right? When you see people commit crimes and, 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 and they, they murder people and they commit heinous things, the only reason that they're doing it is because of what's here is evil, right? If, if, it's not about cleaning the outside of the cup, Jesus said. It's not about you taking a bath and washing yourself. It's about let me clean the inside of that cup. In other words, let me clean that mind. Right? Because he said, he said to the apostle, he says, you are already clean by the word that I have given you. Because we have been cleansed of all unrighteousness, right? But he said, but there is something up there. I want to wash that. So when he was washing the disciples' feet, he was saying, that's what you ought to be doing one to another. You, ought to be, you that are spiritual should bring restoration to the heart of another person. God could give two hoots about your dirty feet. God does not care if you have dirty feet. He really doesn't. You you can take your feet, go to a mud pile, stick your feet in it, put your socks over your muddy feet, put shoes in it, and then come to church. And he still doesn't care about your dirty feet. It's not about dirty feet. God wants us to watch each other's feet. And it's, if you want to serve someone, how is it that God is saying when he when he talk about our service one to another? You know what it is. Bring restoration to the heart of people that need it. When you see a brother in a sin, remind him of the fact that he has been forgiven of his old sins. Remind him of who he is in Christ. Remind him of all that God has given him, and he will see his mind will be restored and therefore his actions corrected. But instead, when we see a brother in a sin, we say, You know what? I'm very disappointed in you. I can't believe you're doing this. We have to cast you out of the church. You are cast out forever. You're not allowed to come in here anymore. You give a bad name to Jesus, right? So instead of bringing restoration to someone's mind, we judge them based on the works that we ourselves do or think. That we ourselves do or think. Because just because you don't do an action but you think about the action doesn't make it better. But thank God that we have a high priest seed at the right hand of the Father who has forgiven our sins whether they be actions that we've acted on or not, Right? The forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us of all unrighteousness. It doesn't mean whether the unrighteousness was acted upon or not. We have been cleansed of that unrighteousness. But we need this mind to be washed, right? We need our mind to be cleaned. So he said it is out of, it's that good treasure that you have in you that when we listen to the Lord testify that good news in our hearts and mind, out of that abundance, that's where it comes, right? So in Hebrews chapter 3 where we were, and I will stop here. In Hebrews chapter 3 where we were. He says, beware, in verse number 12, Hebrews 3.12, beware brethren, and and that brethren, obviously he's talking to people that know the Lord, right, I'm assuming because he said brethren. He said, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you, and sorry, sorry, just to not cause confusion, it could be also that when he's talking to the Hebrews, he's also talking to them from a brethren perspective, in other words, that I am a Jew and you are too. So every time the Bible says brethren doesn't mean he's talking to Christians, but anyway, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and watch the definition. Departing from the living God. You see what it is that he's saying? Listen, in the nicest way possible, what the Lord is saying, be careful that your mind is not moved away from me. Even more, more, more precise, right? Be careful, he says, beware that no care of this world That no lust for the things of it, that no desire for things, that no desire for relief for the problems of today or the concerns of tomorrow, whatever, move your heart away from the gospel. Move your heart, have your heart be moved away from the good news about what my son has done. You know why? Because the only thing that can help you is if you understand and grow in the knowledge of what he's done and you will be fruitful. You will bear fruit in your life. If you ever wanted an assurance from God, right, here's an assurance from the Lord. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe in what he's done and you allow him to teach you what he's done and who he is, the glory of God that is in you will be manifest in your life. The glory of God in you will be able to touch your family, even the unsaved people in your home. Right? The power of God in you can touch their lives, can help them, can, can sanctify them, can even protect their lives because of you, right? Be, and because you've done one thing right. You have believed in the only begotten Son of the Father. You have believed in the only begotten Son of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, my Lord, for the things that you continually, Lord, remind us all of. And we need constant reminders of these things, Lord, so that no matter what is taught, no matter the benefit, Lord, Uh, the benefit of God that we see in our life, the blessing of the Lord, because we ought not to forget any of the blessings of the Lord, but that we would always see all the blessings in our lives, the prosperity, Lord, that we see in our lives, the prospering in our jobs, things going right, Lord, uh, our our children's health, our health, Lord, prospering, things getting better, Lord, building homes, Lord, being able to give abundantly to, to, to the church and to the gospel and to those in need, Lord. All of these things, there are just simply, Lord, offshoots and fruitfulness from one single thing that we have been doing and continue to do, and that is believing in the only begotten Son of God. Hearing and growing in the revelation of the thing, Lord, that only you can give us. You are the teacher on the inside of us. Continue, Lord, to do what you promised you would do. I will reveal myself to you. That's what you promised, Lord. You said, I will reveal Myself to you, and because we are all of those that have the Spirit of God in us, then Lord, we can know that you are the one that will teach us. For those, Lord, that may be listening to this today or in a day to come, if you don't know Jesus and you have heard many, many times, you have heard us mention here about Jesus Christ and Him crucified, how He paid the price for your sin, continue to hear that, continue to hear the gospel that is preached here, and the Spirit of God will come and He will take up residence. The Father and the Son will both come make their abode within you by the same Spirit, and you will become a sharer and a partaker because of all that Jesus Christ has done. Jesus, there is so much that you gave, and it ought not to go without people taking advantage of everything you have provided to every single person in this world. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We give you glory, we give you honor. We thank you, Lord, that even in this season, as people celebrate the day of your birth, let us not ever 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 forget let us never forget that the significance of your birth is because that was the day that you came in a body that would allow you to have a body to die in to suffer in a body the same suffering and punishment and death that was ours to suffer but yet you took it for us lord so we thank you lord and we celebrate lord we we celebrate in our mind we rejoice because of the coming messiah and for the and for the crucifixion that you went through and the suffering that you went through so that we could live today free and well. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this unpopular message to the world. If you'd like to support Reform Church, you can do so at reforminus.com slash give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reforminus.com.